Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast with Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. Brent Hubbs, glad to have you along with us. we got a lot to get to. Pretty newsy middle of the week for Tennessee. Let's start first with, uh, I guess, the, the Aubrey Solomon news. Um, knew it was coming. No, we didn't. We thought it was coming. Tennessee hoped that it was coming. Austin, you get the word um, earlier in the week and, and pop that story. For Tennessee, for Tracy Rocker, for the defense... How big is this one compared to even Trey Smith or, or, or things? I mean, where, where do you put this in perspective for this defensive line? I, I think it's huge for the defensive line, but, you know, he, he's still got to be able to show that he can stay healthy. Um, I don't think it's as big as getting Trey Smith back because you know what Trey has been. Will Trey be the same as he was? If he was a tackle, I would for sure say probably not. But, you know, with him at guard, I do think that there's a better chance that Trey can – have have a bigger impact than he would have if they were still having him at tackle. So for for Aubrey, I think it's big because you know it is a guy that does have talent, is very much um, a specimen that Tennessee was you know kind of covets you know along that defensive line, and, uh, and and just a guy that's you know at least played meaningful snaps at the Power Five level at Michigan. I mean, uh, Tennessee's best defensive lineman from out of the gate from what we you know been the buzz we've been hearing. I mean, I think. I know I've heard that. I, I, I would guess all you guys have too. That yeah, I mean, for a group that's pretty much got nobody that's done anything in the SEC, yeah, he's viewed as their best lineman. You know, I'll t- I'll take the more tepid approach. I no. think he has the highest upside of all their linemen. I think it's notable that even as effusive as Jeremy's been about a Henry, about uh, some of the other, even Jarrett Garantano, some of the other guys, he has continuously lumped in every single player on the defensive line. With this, saying they pretty much are all the same. They pretty much do all the same stuff. Last year, you know, Solomon at Michigan did not perform particularly well, was much better as a freshman. Uh, I am with Austin. I do think if we're comparing impact Solomon versus Trey Smith, there's a, there's a chance Trey Smith is the best fo- football player on this team. So to have him back, I think, is immense. I mean, he, he, if he finds himself playing left guard the way he does, did as a freshman, could take an offensive line that graded out, I don't know, it was a D a year ago, to potentially a C-plus on his own. And then it's kind of how does it go around. How does everybody else grow around? Yeah, how does everybody else go around? Yeah, see, I, but here's my thing. I agree from a talent standpoint it's not close. They do have some more competition on the offensive line. Defensively, you're putting a guy in who's played in the Power Five ranks for two seasons – Granted, he's not dominating, but he's played. I look around and Darrell Middleton has not played. Savion Williams has not played. John Mincy's played three games. But Matt, but Matthew Butler but, has been as productive as Aubrey Solomon. Aubrey Solomon has not been, he is a five star that I think has much more physical upside and gifts than a Matthew Butler. But production wise, you know, he hasn't and, been that different okay. than a guy that. And, and who that, knows? You know, some some people just need a change of scenery and they flourish. I mean, how many times have you seen that? A kid gets to a, sure. diff, a different school. So he's healthy I, now too. Well, yeah, he's so healthy, where she wasn't a year so ago. So that, that's kind of the, I'm, I'm taking what Jesse's saying and saying, okay, if you go look at it from the positive side of that, you know, he's right, apples to apples, stats wise, but. You know, maybe there was a, something amiss at Michigan. You know, maybe that he didn't right. like the position coach he played for, or something that was going on behind the scenes. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying potentially that could be the case. I mean, but clearly, I think we all believe that Solomon's upside's higher than Butler's upside. Well, I said, yeah, I said, which that. is what you're saying, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. absolutely. And okay. I think, no doubt, 
Solomon changes the ceiling on this defensive line now. If you put him next to Middleton and Emerson, you're at least like, all right, those are three guys that look, look like other teams' SEC defensive linemen. Could How do they perform? We'll see. But you're like, man, those guys are all 325, you know, 315. They look like they can play. And, and here's the one thing you got to remember about all those guys. And not to say, you know, Tennessee's not even kicked off the first game of 2019. But every one of those dudes is back in 2020. So, I mean, like, you know, you, you have, you know, if, if Emerson continues to grow, you get, you get, uh, um, Emmett Gooden back, Solomon, and then you go out and you sign some of these defensive linemen Tennessee's recruiting, you know, the Jay Hardys, Tyler Barron, so on and so forth. I mean, potentially it goes from a position of real weakness to a position of strength as far as depth going forward. I think that's certainly again. I know we've not kicked off 2019. Right. I'm already projecting to 2020, but, but, but certainly, certainly, you're, you're looking at it that that way. Could Trey, Speed, Trey Smith be worth a win? Is his is his return worth a win? I mean, for, I know it's hard to say. Hard I mean, to say. It's that, hard but, to quantify, but I mean, I can see then. You know, he he could be worth a first down or two a game for, for a team that you know couldn't pick up third and two against a good SEC defense last year. I mean. I don't. I mean, could that translate into a win or makes the difference? Finishing points? off at one drive or yeah. finishing out a game. I mean, I, so yeah, for an offensive line that averaged less than four yards a carry last year, I mean, I, I think getting him back is, is immense. And, 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 how, and, how much does his leadership uh, help, help the help the development of this offensive line too? Because a he's fought really hard and and is is. He understands he's taking some risk here. I mean, they're going through an unusual plan, and we're going to assume that it works all season long. But how much does everybody turn to him and follow him because, A, he's the best player, Jesse. B, he's doing everything he can to play for this team. Oh, I, I think that speaks volumes. I mean, it, 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 I mean, you know, we mentioned it in the, in the Rocky Top Roundtable. Uh, and then again, and, and kind of the impact of what Trey Smith brings to Tennessee, the fact that, you know, some of these other guys, I think, have struggled a little bit with conditioning, consistency, what have you. Uh, but Trey's a guy that both the coaches can point to, and Trey can then point back at, at the players and say, hey, you know, this is what this means to me. It, it needs to mean the same for you. we got to be all in this together. we got to be all stepping, you know, uh, forward together in terms of like we're talking about w- whether it's worth a win or on-field impact I do think Rob has talked a lot about it this offseason we've all written about it Tennessee was so anemic in the run game a year ago last in the SEC in yards per carries one of the worst also last in the SEC in tackles for loss allowed Trey Smith did not have a particularly strong seven games a year ago he was really up and down he lacked that consistency but he routinely graded out both according to Pro Football Focus and even on some of the ESPN stuff as Tennessee's best run blocker. The fact they're moving him inside back to his natural position, I believe, and you got Jim Chaney's going to be running all this split zone that's going, it is tailor-made for your guards and centers to just be knocking the hats off somebody should should truly help Tennessee's run game this fall. And we talked about this a little bit in the impact. You mentioned it too a little bit. There's The one question you have about Trey is, can he can he be at his best when he's not taking contact through the week and basically only hitting people on Saturdays? That's that's the one concern negative. But the fact that Rob that he's playing a position that he's clearly more comfortable at, how much does that negate 
the quote rust or the lack of preparation during the week physically? Oh, I think it's a huge benefit, but the contact stuff. I mean, how much do you? I mean, how, how, how much, much do you actually do once the season or, starts? Or NFL teams, for that matter. I mean, once the season starts, I mean, you're, you're virtually, I mean, virtually none. So, I mean, I. I mean, I think the fact that he's not played, you know, real football other than, you know, Jeremy let us in that he apparently had a couple of contact practices in August as, you know, kind of test runs. You know, I, I think that there's going to be some rust there, but I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in him, you know, not doing contact during the, during the season. I, I don't think that's a huge deal. I'm, I'm in agreement. I think that'll, I think that, that, that issue will subside by Quickly. Chattanooga. Uh, I, I think it, we may see that rust these first three weeks. So I guess it's not going to be an issue against Georgia State. It's not going to be an issue against Chattanooga in terms of win-loss. If Trey plays badly against BYU, does that become an issue? Uh, because he, he's not used to, you know, going up against some 330s and actually hitting them back. All right, let's look at the rest of this offensive line. Now that you know Trey's there, going to be the starter at left guard, what do you do the rest of the, what, what do you do the rest of the positions? Are you, are you going, you going Tatum right tackle or left tackle? I think they'll go take them at right tackle and they'll start Wanye at left tackle. I agree with that. And I mean, I had my, I'm going to have teaser for the 10 things, but I mean, I think that there's several, uh, with all the talk about newcomers, I think there's a couple veterans on this team that the first couple weeks of the season are going to be extremely important for. One of those guys to me is Riley Locklear. I think he has a chance to kind of earn that right guard spot. I don't know if he'll absolutely get the first crack at it. I, I, I think Austin and I are in agreement that he's likely to because he, he's a guy that has played a little bit, um, does kind of bring some both you know physicality and a bit more consistency than a guy like Kron or even Jerome. And they're working Jerome a lot at center too. I mean, I think it, you know the first hiccup that Brandon Kennedy shows, you know, Kennedy's not played a lot of football. Uh, I, I think Jerome may get a look at center. So. Again, I mean, I wrote it a week ago. I think this is going to be more about who is not in the rotation the first couple of weeks, and then they'll kind of figure out, all right, how do we find a five to gel? All right, let's stay on the offensive side. Well, let's let's hop over real quick to the defensive deal. Obviously, there was more news about Bryce Thompson this week as the week has progressed. Uh, remains suspended from the team. I think what we know is that we don't know everything. You don't know all sides to everything, but this one's got – some some deeper teeth to it in terms of the entire story, which means you're probably not going to get a quick resolution. Anybody yeah. disagree with that? I agree with that. I mean, I think it does lend itself to think that, you know, it, it's going to take some time to kind of, you know, go through everything. But, I mean, you're right. I think the best way to look at it is, is you know, obviously Bryce, you know, doesn't come off in a good light, and I'm sure there's some things that he's done he's not proud of. I wouldn't, you know – think that he's 100% guilty of everything been charged as well. So, I mean, like, it's one of those things where I think, you know, it's kind of always in the middle. You've got his story, her story. Likely it's somewhere in the middle in the gray. But if you're Tennessee, Rob, you better make sure you don't – there's no other surprises hidden I back mean, with, there with around, the, the, around the way. I mean, it's, it's just such a hot-button issue. I mean, you know, the NFL is is, is cracked, cracked down hugely. I mean, you see it in sports everywhere. And it's, you know, with good reason it's a hot-button issue. But, I mean, I, I think the current climate – that we're in, for, you know, from immediate perception standpoint, just you know, the, the restraining order thing, just you know, put a whole different, added another layer to it. I think where you know, pub, public relations, I mean, you're getting into something that could be ugly. And there's no reason for Jeremy to rush into saying anything. Right. You know, I mean, he's 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 kind of been the status quo on that, and which is Bryce, a smart move. But yeah, Bryce will have his court date on Tuesday, and we'll figure out what that is for the charge that happened on campus. 
a week ago, and then at some point he'll they'll be. They'll, we're guessing the university is going to get involved with you know the code student conduct because of the, the comments that have nothing to do with the charges. Uh, and then now there's this added layer of, of the, the prior restraining order. So I think it's all going to play itself out. And then once once the full story is out there or all the details are out there, Tennessee will make a decision, you know, on, on, on Bryce's future. I'll say this. In talking to enough people on campus this week, the, the, the new chancellor has been very hands-on, very much. She's, she's not, hey, telling her people, let me know when you know something. She's been in meetings, had direct conversations with um, – Philip Fulmer with Jeremy Pruitt. There's some people that on campus that have had conversations with Bryce Thompson as well. Um, even some early preliminary, just almost psychological type reviews with him. They've been very proactive this week. It's not while while Pruitt can't say anything. It's not like they've just sat back and said, "Hey, we'll wait and see what happens with the charges next week and go from there." There's been a whole lot of conversations going on, so we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, over the course of time, it's not going to play out quickly, I don't believe. And again, if you're Jeremy Pruitt and you're the, you're the football program who signed this young man, you, before you get out there stumping for anything, you better make sure there's nothing else in the closet anywhere because you don't want to go stumping hard for him and then something else get dropped um, about something in the past. That would be that would not be good for them and, and from a PR standpoint at all. It's bad enough as it is now. You certainly don't want that to be the case out there either. So we'll wait and see how that one takes place. Let's get to football. Let's get to the game. Uh, I think we all um, agree, and we'll have the predictions a little bit later this afternoon, season predictions and, and game predictions. Tennessee should win this game handily. Uh, let's go back to the offensive side of the ball. Jim Chaney's three priorities for tomorrow are – Three priorities. Three things to accomplish tomorrow are he's, he's well. He's going to say it's you know make the fewest mistakes, but it's physicality, uh, physicality, physicality. One, two, and three. Yeah, I, mean, I think physicality is on top. I would agree with you. I mean, play a clean game, as Chaney likes to say. I think that will be of interest to him, but not as much as, as knocking people off, off the football. This is a Georgia State team that couldn't that gave up a million yards on the ground a year ago. They also, I do think Tennessee is going to generate plenty of explosive play. I think they're going to be run heavy. Mm-hmm. Because they want to establish this identity of, of, you know, put your face mask in somebody and, and be able to fall forward and, you know, let, let's improve on that 3.3 yards per carry we had a year ago. But this was the worst pass defense in, in college football a year ago. They ranked 130th. They had the worst completion percentage, uh, a year ago, ranking 129, tied for 129, 130. So, I mean, this is a bad Georgia State defense. They, they did play a lot of freshmen, so perhaps some of those guys as sophomores will be better. But Cheney has also said that Garantano, Garantano, excuse me, <laughs> and and you know the veteran receivers on this team are going to kind of carry the offense. So I would not be surprised if you see run, run, play action, shot. What about for you? Physicality, physicality, physicality. Well, I think it's physicality, um, but I, I think it's just you know to me it's all encompassing of you know you want to establish just dominance, whether that's just punching you right in the mouth or finding ways to get past you with the deep ball. Um, I think he wants to see – the biggest thing I think Jim Cheney wants to see, besides that physicality, which is evident, but is clean and quick. Clean game and get your starters out quick. Let those guys get their points and get off the field and get out of the game. And, I, and, and, and get time 
quality time for for twelve, eighteen, which is the backup it, quarterback. Yeah, that's the backup quarterback. The roster, in front of yeah, Shroud <laughs> and Maurer, and 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 really just I mean, because I mean, ultimately, those guys don't need to come in and just go here, hand off, hand off. You need to let them kind of run with the framework of the offense. You can play conservative, try to not like run up the score with with your backups, but yet still run the framework of the offense to allow them to, you know, throw the football and make some plays. I think and what I was just saying, I think figuring out who your backup quarterback is is. A pretty big deal right now when you got two guys who've never taken a college snap and a starter who got knocked out of what three or four games last year. But it's going to be incumbent on on a lot of the guys that Tennessee's going to be counting on the rest of the season to play some real snaps on Saturday because there are so many unknowns in the line in the, in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And while I think that you know the point spread of this is like twenty six or something, Georgia State is a really bad football team. They won two games a year ago. I think they are worse than UNLV worse than Charlotte a year ago, but it is a reminder that Tennessee did not beat the doors off of either one of those teams. One was 24 to nothing, the other was about the ugliest game ever ever seen in Neyland Stadium, 14-3. So, you know, the physicality, physicality, but they're going to need to, if they want to get Shrout and Maurer and some of these, you know, other newcomers real looks, how much can, you know, Kavaris Crouch play Roman Harrison, they're going to have to jump out to a real lead to actually take you know, the guys that you're also wanting to get some, you know, real burn on uh, on Saturday. I, I, I may be proven wrong. Balls may win 14-3 again Saturday. I think a lot of this is going to look, you know, you're going to look back and go, a year ago was a lot of just indecision on the offensive side, not having Tyson Helton kind of being in over his head, Jeremy Pruitt not having full trust in Tyson Helton, those type of things. That's lack, just, yeah, lack of and, and, and a lack of experience at certain positions. Well, and a lack of identity. For me, for Jim Chaney, I, I think it's two things. One, it's the physicality part. Two, it's 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 JG managing a football game because there's been all this talk about he's got full control. How does he manage the game? Does he get in the right checks? Does he make the right adjustments that they need to make? All right, they may not formation everybody to death on Saturday. He's still got to manage the game, and for the growth of this offense. Where is his jumping off point in game management with Jim Chaney's offense versus uh, what it can become and, and, and what's the ceiling there? And I, and, I, and I go back to Tennessee's opener when Lane Kiffin was here with Jonathan Crompton. You know, they handled, I think, Western Kentucky in the opener, you know, in a big way. They ran all over them. Then they got into that next game against UCLA, which was a good defense, and they couldn't move the football. Because they couldn't manage, they couldn't, he couldn't manage, Jonathan Crompton wasn't ready really to manage and run the game. So I think there's a lot from an evaluation standpoint on Jim Chaney of, hey, what exactly in a 60 minute game against an opponent that's doing some unusual or maybe some stuff we didn't see and they've, they've got some wrinkles here and there, how does the quarterback handle that? So I would put the quarterback's play and one of the priorities for Jim Chaney when you talk about those three things. Yeah, and coming out, and coming out of Saturday, I mean, mentioning UNLV and Charlotte from a year ago, I, I do think if Tennessee blows off, blows out Georgia State, it does sh- show at least, you know, a step in the right direction in terms of beating up a Patsy. But in all likelihood, when, we're, when the three of us, four of us are talking about this game on Saturday night, breaking it down, whatever, the result is going to be far less important than individual valuations sure. From, you know, Henry Tooto or from Eric Gray or Darrell Middleton and Savion Williams. It's going to be very, I think, individual based, uh, because Georgia State is going to be so overmatched. All right. With that being in mind, we, we talked about this a little bit, um, 
in, in the Rocky Top Roundtable about kind of who you're wanting to see, what guy you're most intrigued. I think the question you asked Austin was, who's, who has the buzz on Sunday? Who, who are you? Who, who are you most interested to see on both sides? To of the see ball? is Eric Gray. I, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see him. I just, you know, d- d- does he live up to the expectations? I mean, I don't think. I mean, I know there's been the comparisons and all that, um, but I mean, just what can he bring to the offense? I, I, do you think he gets in the end zone Saturday? I personally do. Yeah, I think he'll probably score on Saturday. So. I would, I would see that. I, I think, the, but the question, I'm with you on that one because you've heard all the buzz. I mean, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, he was the guy everybody was talking about. You know, vision like you haven't seen. And, you know, I'm saying all this kind of crazy <laughs> Superman. stuff. Superman, you know? Heisman. You know, yeah. no running back going to ever win the Heisman again, and they're already playing a kid that hadn't played a college game. Heisman. So, so, so the so the question Where's your is your shot, Jock? When can I start? The question is, when does you know what does he do on the, on a game? You know, on in a game with all the buzz that's been around there. Because look, the the, the, Hen, the Henry T stuff has been from day one, and we know he's going to start. We know how much Jeremy Pruitt believes in him. Jeremy Pruitt has said some good things about Eric Gray, and then he's thrown a little cold water on Eric Gray as well. Well, we know he's fumbled at least three or four times right. in the so, scrimmage. So what so. does that look like? I'm with you. I'm I'm very interested in seeing what he looks like. I, Look, I'm not qualified enough to grade out how Wanya Morris is going to play against this defense or Darnell Wright, but I can I can tell you if Eric Gray can play, you know, in in the open field, uh, and then I, I think Warren Burrell because of the uncertainty with Bryce Thompson and the length there, I, I think I think Warren Burrell's a guy that's I'm really curious to see how he performs on on Saturday. Even though this is not a great Georgia State offense, they'll test him. They'll try to throw it over his head. How does he play in coverage? I think it's going to be really intriguing because Tennessee's going to have to have him. Yep. He's going to have to be, he's going to be counted upon heavily. So that's my defensive guy. Uh, I would go 1A and 1B. Henry T. I mean, I just want to see if he lives up to the hype and, and Darrell Middleton. I mean, I've just been kind of fascinated by him since the first day of fall camp. Tennessee's not had a guy that looks like that in a yeah, long wow. time now. Now, can he play? Is, is, is the question. I'm going to go off the board a little bit and not take a newcomer. Um, I'm going to take DeAndre Johnson. He's on that list. It, there's again, I have a kind of little thing for my ten things, but I got Trayvon Flowers. No, it's 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 veterans like DeAndre Johnson, Sean Schamberger, Brandon Johnson, Riley Locklear. These are guys that I think are going to be in positions to see some real snaps on Saturday. But they got some guys breathing down their neck, younger guys with maybe more upside, but aren't showcasing the consistency. But but a guy like Brandon Johnson, who was buried a year ago in the wide receiver depth chart, is suddenly now running behind Juwan at slot. He have we heard Murphy's name at no. all in his camp? No. I mean, he wasn't even listed on the two deep because Brandon Johnson has just completely lapped him. Even a guy like Jacquez Jones has lapped him there. Uh, so I'm going to be curious just about some of these veterans. You know, Pruitt had his comments ten days or so. Can we call them Butch's orphans. Yeah, you can. Go, that's it. <laughs> That's what we should term. I mean, that it 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 is it, yeah, whatever you want whatever you want to call them. I mean, that's they're they're guys though that Pruitt you know kind of intimated that oh there's some guys that, you know we got some new guys that may 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 not be ready to start now. But in but four it, games, but, but in four games they might. Well, you know what? I think Tennessee's going to need Sean Schamberger. I think Tennessee's going to need uh, DeAndre Johnson to give him some snaps this fall. 
We'll see. Brandon Johnson, I mean, the wide receiver, of course, deep, but it seems noteworthy that he, again, was way down the depth chart a year ago, led the team in receiving two or three years yeah, ago, and now he's suddenly he a factor. 38 again. receptions to 12 receptions. Yeah, and now, and now, and now they're suddenly bringing him out for interviews again. And that's not the end all be all, but it does at least show that there's some sort of, you know, faith in a guy like him. Be interesting to see. It's a football game that has, um, more intrigue about the individuals than it does about the 11 guys uh, are the 22 guys or even the scoreboard there? But Just give me the next week. I hate games like this. There's the only, a lot the only to learn. Grace is the first game of the there's year. There's a lot to learn about the, about this in terms of individuals. It, it will be interesting to see how some guys react. And AP kind of already talking 2020, week two. <laughs> we ain't even played a damn game yet. <laughs> I just hate these AP's games. moving on, right? All right, let's talk, let's, let's talk recruiting right quick. Um, we talked about Whitehead's going to be in for an official visit and then some commits for unofficial visits this weekend. That, yeah. That looks Keyshawn, like the bulk Hyatt, of that, right? Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt. Yeah, BJ. Uh, Harrison. Uh, Harrison. Um, Jay Hardy, who's not a commitment, but uh, will be up here. That's big. Um, I had to make sure no, that he was not a commitment because we were talking commitments. Uh, otherwise, people will start reading into things. Um, you know, and then, you know, guys like Cooper, Tyler, another guy that's not committed to Tennessee. Um, uh, would not be surprised if they're here as well. Yeah, so be a lot of in-state guys, and then Whitehead is obviously, and that's uh, honestly good. If you're trying to land Lenneth Whitehead, getting him around these other guys that would potentially be in your class, you know, I think it's huge. If you're, you know, trying to help build the bond between him, who, you know, he kind of is out there on an island over there in Athens. And he's going to take some more visits, though. And yeah. So we'll wait and see what happens with that. Lastly, as we wrap it up, I think we talked about this a little bit Monday. Tennessee's going to get the last visit for Jaden Springer. It's got to set up well. Yeah. Looks like it sets up very well for Tennessee. I, mean, I think that. I mean, and I think Tennessee, more importantly, got what they wanted. You know, got, you know. It, I think they wanted the last visit. They're right. getting the last visit. I mean, it tells me that, that Springer and his family worked, you know, worked with Tennessee, which you know I think is is pretty ideal. You know, and again, I keep saying when you're talking about the number 12 player in the country, things can get crazy down towards the end. But I, I think Tennessee is in great shape here as they get ready to head into, head into September. If they can land that one, it'd be one hell of a haul. It would be incredible. Three five stars, three best I mean, we've ever seen. Three of the top 24 players in, in the current rivals rankings. It would be remarkable. Yeah. There's no way. I mean, it, it, it may not be a top class if, you know, Duke or Kentucky signs three, two or three guys in the top 10, but it will be a top three. Definitely top five class. Yeah, swimming in waters Tennessee hasn't been in uh, maybe ever on the basketball recruiting front. We'll keep close tabs on that. Have more on hoops coming up as we progress through the fall. But obviously lots of football. As Congratulations, you've made it to um, the first official game week. And uh, it's Tennessee-Georgia State tomorrow afternoon. you got Auburn-Oregon tomorrow night. Anybody taking... Anybody jumping on that one? Auburn, Oregon. You taking Oregon? Anybody taking Oregon on that one? Is Nick's going to win that as a as a as a freshman? I, th- I I I think. I mean, it, it, that's going to be a fascinating game to watch because it's one of the best offensive lines in the country. Oregon, I think, returns four and in cor- four stars, including Noah Sewell's brother, who is a freshman All American, and Auburn may have. The best defensive line in the SEC. It's going to be a fun one. I, 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 Rob and I were talking about that. We want and to get home after the Georgia State game to watch that. And game. then you know, a, a freshman five-star quarterback against a guy who, you know, a quarterback that could have maybe could have maybe been the number one pick in the draft. And he came out last year. I mean, just you know, the the, the future of of the position maybe in college football and, and one of the established stars. A lot of a lot of intrigue there. Then you got Vanderbilt and Georgia. Give me Georgia. Hide the women and children. <laughs> Taking Georgia early and often on that one? Yes. We'll see what the there, golf. There's some other fun games on Saturday. What too, else you Saturday got for me? Too. All right. What else you got? Parlay well, boy. Well, I, What's I on mean, your parlay? Nah. 
You got Louisville hanging with Notre Dame Monday night? No, I don't. I I'm not. I, I do think Louisville's going to be better on Saturday. Sure, I, I told I told I told Rob I was I would I would look at Louisville's over at, at their over under for wins is like three. Dude, Notre Dame's got no over. chance. That team Brian, quit on Patrick. Brian Kelly opened up practices the media this fall. There's no they they won't be able to win a game. <laughs> Everybody's going to know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Come out and guess their first twelve. No, their oh, first 12 I, I, plays. We, we joked about this last week. Who was going to be? Who was going to? Ju- who was not, a team that's not in the top twenty-five? That's gonna, that could. You know, that was asking the mailbag. Who's going to uh, jump in there? Yeah, and and, and I jo- and I said, you know, jokingly said, but in all seriousness, I think they're a real team that, that could do that because they won ten plus games a year ago. But Boise State plays Florida State neutral site. That's a huge one for Willie Taggart. That's Ooh. a huge that game a for huge Willie Taggart. <laughs> they, might Willie be, Taggart. they might be ready to write that buyout yeah. check. That, I mean, Boise State's losing their – I mean, that, that's 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 one that you better win. Yeah, that's, that, that's win. a big, big early game for Willie Taggart and Florida State for sure. So a couple games to, to check out in addition to, obviously, Tennessee. We'll have full coverage of uh, Tennessee pregame, Tennessee – uh, post-game coverage from uh, the Georgia State game, and then we'll talk about it all on Sunday, and then we'll be back with you on Monday, uh, or Tuesday, excuse me, with our Tuesday edition of VolQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Jesse Simpton, I'm Brent Hubs. Have a great game day weekend, everybody.